It's the Americans with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech from last Tuesday night and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americans. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Hey, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Yes, that is where we dissect issues, the news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, we need to have a conversation. So be sure and check out our website, americhicks.com. Sign up for our emails. Uh, we'll keep you apprised of all upcoming guests, topics, and important events. We are the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. And we offer a, a conservatarian pr- uh, perspective. Uh, our very uh, excited event, on, are very excited about the event on Monday, January 28th, 5 to 8 p.m. at Water's Edge Winery. Uh, we are partnering with Dr. Tom Cranowitter and his Speakeasy Ideas team to bring you Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth. Dr. Cranowitter is uh, creating a fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers. And we'll meet the fourth Monday of each month throughout 2019. Response has been over the top. Uh, our January Vino and Veritas is sold out. Uh, the good news is that each of these lectures will stand alone. So if you would like to be added to the wait list for January... Uh, And you might consider subscribing for the remaining 11 Vino and Veritas's beginning in uh, February. Go to americhicks.com and click on the link. And any questions, you can email me at kim at americhicks.com. Thrilled to have in studio with us Chris Cantwell with Trans World Business Advisors. Uh, Chris, welcome. Good morning, Kim. How are you? I'm doing just fine. You're out here bright and early. Thank you for being here. Yeah, happy to do it. You know, you really inspire me. You, I, I believe you help people buy and sell opportunity. You have a real heart for entrepreneurship, and, uh, and it's really important to you. You see people that are, are kind of buying and selling their dreams. Yeah, I, I do, and it's a great job. It's great to work with small business owners and entrepreneurs who have that dream of, of working for themselves. And, you know, these are the, the business owners that um, don't get the recognition that a lot of times they need. You know, they're always you always hear that, oh, you're a business owner, so you're rich and you're wealthy and you're a bad, evil person and you're going to treat your people poorly. And you that's know, not all what you see, things. is it? No, it's, that's not the truth at all. And these people work very, very hard. And um, it's not easy being an entrepreneur. And we know so many challenges <laughs> and even more coming their way. And it, it can be tough. But at the end of the day, I love small business and I love getting people into those situations. And I love people to see people leave their corporate jobs and go out on their own and do their own thing. And I love seeing people retire in their companies that they've created and built and they've had for 30 something years are going to go on and their employees are going to keep their jobs. And and that's just such a a win-win on both sides of many of these deals. It's great. Well, and we'll talk more about this in the second segment, but if people want to reach you, they can reach you at cccellscompanies.com. That's like Chris Cantwell sellscompanies.com. Yep. And we'll talk more about that in the second segment. Third and fourth segment, we'll have William Perry Penley with us. He has written a book, The uh, Sagebrush Rebel, 
which is about Ronald Reagan, really, really talking about property rights, primarily in the West. And speaking of that in the West, I can't believe this, but the millennials are finally seeing what socialism is like because California is proposing taxing text messages, if you can believe it. So we'll talk about that and property rights. So that'll be a lot of fun. So, but the morning funnies, uh, I got one here for you, Chris. Okay. Okay. A senator is in a restaurant, and the waiter brings over the rolls, but no butter. May I have some butter, please? This senator asks. The waiter gives a slight nod and wanders off. Ten minutes later, still no butter, so the senator catches his eye. May I have some butter, please? Still the vaguest of responses, and after ten more minutes, still no butter. Maybe you don't know who I am, says the senator. I'm a Princeton graduate, a Rhodes Scholar an All-American basketball player who played with the New York Knicks and the pros, and I'm currently a United States Senator, Chairman of the International Debt Subcommittee of the Senate Finance Committee, Chairman of the Water and Power Subcommittee of the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee, and a member of the Senate Select Intelligent Committee. Maybe you don't know who I am, said the waiter. I'm the guy who's in charge of the butter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we'll jump in here. One of the biggest headlines, Chris, is uh, the whole thing with Brexit over in Britain yesterday. Uh, there was a, a vote on, on uh, Theresa May, Prime Minister Theresa May's plan uh, on, regarding Brexit. The American, or excuse me, the, the, the British people had voted on Brexit. Let me give you a little bit of background. We all hear about it, but I'm not sure everybody understands it. Brexit is, in a word, it's used as a shorthand uh, word of uh, the Britain leaving the EU, so hence Brexit. And there was a referendum vote uh, Thursday or back June 23rd, 2016, by the people of Britain to decide whether or not the UK should leave or remain in the EU. Uh, they voted about 52% to 48% to uh, get out of uh, the EU. The referendum turnout was almost 72% of the voters. I mean, people really, really showed up on this. Yeah. And uh, there's been a number of reasons why that they did that. We've had Nigel Farage on the show, who was really <clears throat> kind of the leader on that. But uh, the Brits have been concerned about their borders. They've been concerned about their sovereignty. And the EU has basically taken away, uh, you know, Britain's ability to be Britain, if you will. Yeah. And so it's been a big fight. And what has happened is, is I think that the establishment in Britain, uh, of who Theresa May is a part of, they were very surprised. So they've been trying to kind of walk this back. They've come up with an agreement that I don't think has really been the will of the people. And so yesterday there was this uh, uh, vote in the House of Commons, and uh, it was a crushing defeat for Prime Minister Theresa May. Yes, Uh, They said, uh, British lawmakers, this is from, uh, let's see, uh, I don't see which news source this is right now, but uh, it says British lawmakers on Tuesday overwhelmingly rejected Prime Minister Theresa May's blueprint for separating from the European Union, throwing the Brexit process into a new chaos and uh, setting the stage for a vote of non um, no confidence, probably, I think it's going to be within the next, maybe today. I think today, yeah. I think it is today. So what do you think? 
It, it's pretty crazy. You know what? I, I really like watching their legislatures and their <laughs> parliament. So, we think ours are nutty and crazy. Those guys really go after it. It's they, pretty funny. They, they really rock and roll. They do really <laughs> rock and roll. So, Steve, we've got a soundbite by Nigel Evans, who is, uh, yeah. I think, a member of uh, the House of Commons. Before you plunge into that, I vividly remember 2016 when this was going down. A middle class, you know, average Joe, they interviewed him. And remember, remember, we've been watching this for a long time now. Greece was notoriously bad at running their economy. And this man's point, this middle class, you know, gentleman in Britain was saying, I'm tired of watching, you know, boatloads of money go to Greece who can't ma- seem to manage anything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, th- there you go. There's that middle class mindset. It's like, this is not working and it's hurting me. Well, in 2016, to that point, was Brexit and then the American people elected Donald Trump. So let's hear the soundbite. Those who find it difficult to understand that the American people uh, voted for Donald Trump get over it because he's president of the United States. And what I would say for all of us here and this actually includes uh, myself, is that we have to ask ourselves, why is it that people felt so left behind that they've ta- made the democratic decisions that they've had, which we um, uh, think we can't understand some of us. How, how could you possibly vote for Brexit? How could you possibly vote for Donald Trump? And the fact is that the people have. These were the forgotten people. And just like we had the forgotten people in the United Kingdom, there are the forgotten people in the United States of America. We may not like some of the things that he says, and I certainly don't like some of the things that he said in the past, but I do respect the fact that he stood on a platform which he is now delivering. He is going to go down in history as being roundly condemned for being the only politician to deliver on his promises. I know that we can all go back and talk to the people that we know in our own little echo chambers and that we, we all hear are the same things, but the fact is that there were 61 million people who voted for Donald Trump. And when we stand up in this country and then condemn him for being racist, and I've seen no evidence of that, uh, I have seen no evidence of him uh, being racist or that they attack him in, in an unseemly way. We're actually attacking the American people, the 61 million people who voted for Donald Trump. If they wanted more of the same or the usual stuff, well, that was on the ballot paper. But they decided by the majority of states on the Electoral College, as it works, that they wanted Donald Trump. Wow. And uh, that's a a great segue to very quickly our other subject, and that is the Electoral College. Uh, Chris, in the Constitution, the founders put in the Electoral College to really protect the minority. Yes, correct. And uh, we saw a bill that was introduced, I think, yesterday in the Colorado, Colorado legislature. It is Senate Bill 19042, and what it wants to do is to, uh, this is what it says, the bill enacts and enters into all, with all other states joining therein, uh, the states to elect the President of the United States by national popular vote. And in essence, what it's saying is, is that uh, whoever the, the popular vote is throughout the, the, the country, then that's where our electoral votes will go. It's a direct affront to the Constitution of the United States. Yes, it is. And it is also a front, I think, to the integrity of our elections. We had Chris Farrell on with Judicial Watch on Monday. Yeah. And uh, they had um, a file suit against Los Angeles uh, which uh, to clean up their voter rolls. Uh, and apparently there's 1.2 million 
people on the voter rolls in Los Angeles who um, are either dead, have moved on. And the Democrats there have not wanted to clean up those rolls. And so what you're seeing here is is that we've we've had these mail-in ballots and not cleaning up our voter rolls, which I think is an affront on the integrity of elections. But then they use those. (laughs) <laughs> to, yeah. to, uh, they had uh, over 100 percent of the uh, uh, more than 100 percent of the voters in Los Angeles were registered. I mean, yeah. how does that work? That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, I mean, you know, changing the Electoral College really changes us from a republic to a democracy, a true democracy, which is mob rules. Right. Right. And that's what they that would be the goal at the end of the day for many of these these people kind of on that far left hinge, you know, they, they're anti-constitution and they, they want mob rule. And, you know, that, I mean, that fundamentally changes the, the country. I'd like to see the Electoral College go to the states. Well, so would most of eastern Colorado and yeah. the western well, slope. anyone outside of Denver Boulder. I mean, that, that, you know, talk about forgotten people. I mean, it, you know, wherever you have that, you have Denver and Boulder and, and, you know, they really control the voting for the entire state. They do. So I think we have to fight for the messaging here in the metro area. And, and we need to fight for the messaging across across the United States and make the case for why the Constitution was so important. Yeah. And the founder said, if you want to change the Constitution, and that's what that's what this bill is attempting to do. And when these legislators go down to uh, the Capitol here, are elected here in, in Colorado, they take an oath to uphold the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And this hasn't even been hardly a week out, and we are seeing it as um, Senator Foote and Representative Sirota and Arndt have brought forth something that is clearly an affront on the Constitution, and it's a affront on the minority uh, in in America. And so we're going to have to we're going to have to watch it. I think that we need to be writing all of our uh, senators and representatives here in Colorado, and we need to be educating people about the electoral electoral college because I lo- yeah. I think a lot of our young people don't understand it. They don't. They don't, and they're not taught it in school. Right. That's that's the big problem. And that's the whole education system. So, you know, Chris, we are at a historic time right now. We are seeing the culmination of, I think, years and years and years of an affront on the American idea. And I don't think they ever dreamed that Donald Trump would have gotten elected. And I think that's one of the reasons. And, Steve, I think you mentioned that. That is one of the reasons that we have seen uh, Senate Bill 042, 042, that was just introduced into the Colorado legislature. We're going to go to break. However, before we do that, Chris, uh, it is football season. It's the football playoffs. You you know that, yes? I do. How, how are the Broncos doing? Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I know, I know. I hate it. Oh, and, and uh, the Chiefs are, well, the Chiefs are playing. And uh, did you know that I think the high is supposed to be eight on Sunday in Kansas City? It's that global warming, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so Sunday, the L.A. Rams, Rams are facing off against the New Orleans Saints. And the Patriots, again, uh, yeah. are matched up against the Chiefs. And I go Chiefs. Uh, so who moves on? Who goes home? But the bigger question is where will you watch the games? Well, Hooters, of course. Hooters is your game day headquarters. You can watch the playoffs and the big game at Hooters. Special start at $10 for a draft and 10 bonus wings. And if you come into Hooters for the big game, you can enter to win a brand new 55-inch HDR TV. And uh, did you know that Hooters wings can fly? You can have them uh, delivered right to your front door. They're delish and only half the calories. So order your Hooters to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. 
Hooters.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. We have Chris Cantwell, Trans World Business Advisors, in studio with us. And when we come back, um, this shutdown has affected you just a little bit. So let's, let's uh, break that down a little bit. Sounds good. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you'd like to support the work of the AmeriChicks and grow your business, contact them at AmeriChicks.com. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks, Molly & Kim, recommend Predovich & Company as your financial business consultants. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And uh, we have Chris Cantwell in studio with us. We want to have a conversation about what you do. Uh, you're, you're with Transworld Business Advisors, yep. and you help people buy and sell businesses. Yeah, we're brokers. We're business brokers. We typically work with business owners who are looking to sell, but we'll also work with buyers who are looking to purchase a business. So that's the arena that we work in. We work with smaller businesses, you know, and kind of the top end for us are, are businesses that are doing about $10 million in revenue with the majority of the businesses that we represent doing a million and under in revenue. So we really work with the true mom and pop business owners that are out there. And it's across the board from restaurants and retail to manufacturing and distribution and service businesses. That's who we represent. Okay. So if people are interested in either maybe selling their business or if they might want to buy a business, what does that process look like? Yeah, so it, it there's a lot to it. It depends. There, you know, a lot of times people come to us on the buyer side looking for an amount of income, or we know that they have amount a certain amount of money to put down. I mean, you can get into a business today. The SBA does loans with only ten percent down. So with a hundred thousand dollar down, you could buy a million dollar business, which might be kicking out a half million dollars of cash flow. So there's a number of different ways to structure deals, and um, by using the SBA. There's uh, some some great opportunities to get into businesses that really become much more affordable than people think on the surface. Okay, and the SBA is the Small Business Administration, and so has this shutdown affected you at all? With that, do you do a lot of work with the SBA? Yeah, we have a lot of deals that are done with the SBA, and what the SBA does is they back loans from local banks or like a Wells Fargo or Chase. So the you know Wells Fargo goes out there and actually does the loan. And the SBA backs it 70%. So the risk for Wells Fargo is 30%. But none of the deals can get done while we have the shutdown because the SBA has to authorize, uh, give you an authorization number to get the deal done. So there are probably dozens of small business transactions that are completely hung up right now because we're waiting on the SBA. Well, and as entrepreneurs, uh, <laughs> I, I assume that you are basically on kind of commission, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
100%. Okay. I've been basically on straight commission. I, I told you 1978, but it was really since 1982. The only time was when I was on city council, I got a small stipend. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you get up every morning and there is no guarantee on what's going to happen, which is it's daunting sometimes and it's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for us, too, it's the buyers and sellers and, and time kills deals. Right. And, uh, you know, so we've got some some great buyers out there that are ready to get in and, and start these businesses and sellers that are ready to go and retire and move to the next chapter in their lives. And we're just in gridlock. We, we can't get any deals done that are SBA. I mean, we're still doing deals that are cash or seller carry. Um, there's other ways to do deals using a 401k rollover, although the IRS needs to authorize some things there. And so one of my deals is hung up in the IRS right now and, and nobody's gotten paid. We've kind of worked through the transaction, but we're still, we've done it on promissory notes, which is kind of crazy, but. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think the IRS, they're supposed to go back to work today, aren't they? Yeah, I saw something about 30,000 employees are being called back to work. Okay. Not paid, but they're being called back. Okay. Okay. They, you know, they got to process tax returns. <laughs> of course they do. Yeah. Yeah, of course they do. Um, so regarding, uh, you know, a business, I mean, it's not just a 40-hour-a-week job. There's flexibility when you own your own business. Yeah. But yet it's it's kind of a whole different kind of a lifestyle, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, you're, you're very much committed to your job. It's it's a family member. And I think most entrepreneurs would tell you that it's just what they do. They, they don't have a job. This is what they do and they love it and they're passionate about it. And uh, there, there are a lot of benefits to it. You do. You can control your time and your lifestyle and you can control how much income you want to have and how hard you want to work and how you want to grow your business. And, you know, I think one of the great things that all business owners should think about is what's their eventual exit going to look like? You know, many people get into these businesses and, and whether it's in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years or one year, what's that exit going to look like? And it's great to talk with a business broker at any time to just say, hey, when it comes time for me to make an exit in my business, whether I'm selling it to a family member, passing it down, selling it to somebody else, whatever I'm going to do with it. What do I need to be looking for? And, and that's something that I can consult with and really help people understand how to build their business with an exit in mind at the end of the day. I hadn't really thought about that you would help people even if they wanted to just pass it on you know, to the next generation. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't really thought about that. That really takes some important planning. I, I thought maybe an estate planner could help with that, but really it makes more sense to sit down with, with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, the interesting thing is we're seeing all these baby boomers who have great businesses and they're looking at retiring now and their initial exit plans, they always thought their family or their kids or, you know, who, you know, somebody in their family was going to take over their business. Well, their kids are in their forties and have their own careers and just don't have any interest in taking over dad's shop. So, um, you know, that makes our market really good. So for 2019, we think it's still going to be a very robust market for business sale transactions because there's so many great businesses out there. There's still some great financing opportunities, even though we might see some increases in some interest. Um, the, the, the opportunities are abundant. And uh, we think 2019 is going to be a great year for, for buyers and sellers. We're going to see a lot of transactions. Okay. So if people want to reach you, is the website the best way? Yeah. CCSalesCompanies.com. Um, all my contact information is there. You can see many of the listings that we have. You can see them across our whole company. So there's, uh, you know, we carry about 
about I think 175 to maybe 200 listings right now okay. of business opportunities and and yeah just if you just have questions reach out. Okay, fantastic. And I'm sorry about the government being shut down. I, I mean I know that that's it's kind of nerve wracking. Yeah, and it doesn't look like there's really any end in sight. Um, however, I, I think that I think. Donald Trump needs to stay strong on this. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's frustrating to not see people get in there and negotiate. And, you know, he's, you know, the, the, was, the, some of the hang-up is, oh, we're going to have this wall from, you know, one point to the other point, and we're not going to have any doors on it, and we're not going to let people in, and, and that's not the case. And, you know, there are areas that we need to have barriers and fences. And I think he's he's kind of throwing that out there to say, come, let's go talk again. Let's mm-hmm. let's have a conversation. You know, he he's basically come out and said, I'm not talking about a brick wall that goes from here to there and we're not gonna let people in and out but we have to have some boundaries i mean i can't just go to disneyland and walk in and not go through a little maze of a line and there's entry points into disneyland and they're gonna ask me for a ticket can you believe that they're That's gonna ask me for a ticket at so disneyland? Somebody, yeah yeah, yeah. Well, what yeah. are they thinking? So instead, you know, you can't go and jump in in front of everybody else and have them pay for your ticket. Yeah, well, yeah, that'd be even better. <laughs> That's for sure. So, hey, you know, we're talking a lot about the economy today. We're talking about millennials uh, and and younger people buying businesses or saving or whatever. And we'll, in the third and fourth segment, William Perry Pinley, we're going to break off uh, this whole thing in California about them considering taxing text messages, which I about fell off my chair when I saw that. (laughs) But Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management, he helps people also, you know, mm-hmm. you know, build their dreams. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were, he and I were talking last night about, you know, what would be important for millennials? And, um, you know, what would be some things that you'd like to pass on to young uh, investors out there, Jason? Well, good morning, Kim. Uh, can I make one quick comment first? You certainly that, can. Uh, that British fellow, that mm-hmm. clip you played, I can't, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Nigel Evans. Oh, that was wonderful. Where do we have one single member of our Congress that's sticking up for Donald Trump so uh, strongly and vehemently? Where is that person? I don't know, but I think that they would certainly get reelected if they did that. (laughs) Yeah, I think you should just uh, make that speech the start of your show for the next two years. That should be your intro music. I'll let Steve know. I can see he's smiling and scratching his head right now, Jason. All right. Anyway, sorry to digress. No, that's fine. But young investors, uh, talking with Chris about building businesses, young investors can start to create wealth for themselves today. Well, they can. And, uh, you know, one thing I would, I guess, pass along to young investors is to actually become a young investor. Uh, Start as early as possible and let time do most of the heavy lifting for you. Well, how early is early enough? 30, 35? Well, you know, I I think that's probably a little bit late, Kim. Let's uh, take a quick look at some simple numbers if we just assume about a 5% average rate of return over the long term, and I know that sounds low. People say the market's done 8%, 9%, but it sure doesn't seem like the average person does that well over time, so I'll be modest here and use 5% if that's okay with you. Sure, that's great. So, you know, we see here first someone who really doesn't start putting money away until they're age 40. 
And that's not hard for it to happen in your 20s and 30s. Maybe you're paying off debt, student loans, buying a house, raising kids. Uh, or uh, let's face it, maybe there's frivolous things like a fast car or some nice tattoos that seem a lot more important. <laughs> Uh, you know, a lot of folks do start young, uh, much younger than 40, but then here's what happens. They see something that comes along that's irresistible, and there's that pot of money they've been saving up, and poof, it's gone, and they have to start all over. Well, and you know, and speaking of that, I had done a speech with Liberty Toastmasters. Um, I was sitting at the corner of I-25 and Colorado, and there was a guy standing there with the sign. And, uh, you, you know, homeless guy with a sign. And, and he had a complete sleeve of tattoos. And, and you know, free market, people do, can do whatever they want. But I'm standing there and, like, he, he's asking for money. But clearly he has had resources because he has uh, tattoos all over his body. And so I thought, I want to figure out, how, you know, how much does that cost? And I, I ran into a friend of mine at church who was a bookkeeper and she said, I, uh, I actually do bookkeeping for a tattoo parlor over on Wadsworth. And so I said, you know, I'd like to go out. And so I went out to the tattoo parlor. And just to note, um, there were two young people getting tattoos. And as they were doing that, I'm like, your tattoo artist better be a good speller, right? <laughs> you want them to make sure that they know how to spell. But um, as, as I was looking at that, I asked, you know, how much do you have into this? This guy, really in shape and, you know, tattoo on, on the sleeve. Uh, his complete arm, and it was going to be, I think when he got all the tattoos done that he wanted was $3,500. And Jason, I thought about it. If you took $3,500 and you invested it in the market over a period of time, like what you're talking about, 5%, that can become a significant sum of money. Well, it sure can. Uh, in in the example that, that I used, I just had them, you know, this guy at age 40 start putting away 200 bucks a month you know, at age 50, increased it to 400, and at age 60, increased it to 600, and at age 70, at 5%, uh, you know, that's built up to about 269000 bucks, which isn't bad, but that might not last too long. Right. Well, this sounds like the type of advice that we... Uh that makes perfect sense, and so, like, don't start smoking. It's tougher to think about the future than to live for right now, huh? Well, I think it is, and the key is is to start early. Uh, just real quick, Kim, that exact same person that started the same thing at age 20 instead of age 40, he's got over a million dollars at the end, so it's that early compounding uh, that could really help you out. So start young. Don't start smoking young. Start saving young. Well, you know, and you can $200 a month, you know, a few less trips to Starbucks, and you can start to get close to $200 very easily. So it's just those little choices. And as you mentioned, Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management, if you start early, you can really uh, have a, um, a significant amount of money create wealth over uh, a period of time. I, I love the story, Jason. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks, guys. You have a great day, and that's Jason McBride. Uh, check out chickspresidential.com, chickspresidential.com. And uh, this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We have Chris Cantwell in studio with us. We're going to go to break, and we'll be talking with uh, William Perry Pinley. He has uh, written the book Sagebrush Rebel, and he has, over the years, really stood up for property rights in the West. And it looks like there's an assault on millennials' property rights out in California because California's kicking around the idea of taxing text messages. So we'll be right back. 
Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick, accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financing choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com, and that is where we are on Facebook and Twitter as well. We have Chris Cantwell in studio with us with uh, Transworld Business Advisors. He helps people buy and sell businesses. I say he helps people buy and sell their dreams and opportunity. It's so great to have you here, Chris. Yeah, glad to be here. And on the line with us is William Perry Pinley. Uh, Perry Pinley has been standing up for property rights for years uh, here in the West. <clears throat> in addition, he is a former Marine, and uh, he's written an excellent book about Ronald Reagan's Sagebrush Rebel, how Reagan stood up against the environmentalists. And uh, William Perry Pinley, welcome to the Americhicks. Hey, good to be with you. Thank you. Uh, something very interesting is happening out in California. Uh, California is <laughs> kicking around. <laughs> yeah. What there, else, right? <laughs> there's a lot going on in California. But I found... the fruit, fruits and nuts. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of that, I think that people think, oh, they're after somebody else. When you talk about property rights, you've stood up for them in the West and people kind of say, well, it doesn't matter so much to me. That's those rich old property owners. That doesn't matter to me. Uh, but then ultimately with socialism, they run out of other people's money. And so they will come after you eventually. And that's what's happening, I think, out here in California, uh, because they are kicking around the idea of taxing text messages. And this, I think, will go right to the pocket of millennials. What do you think about that, Perry? <laughs> well, absolutely right. And that's what Margaret Thatcher said. Eventually with socialism, you run out of other people's money to tax, and they have to, and they have to find those new sources. And uh, it, it's not surprising California is doing so many crazy things. It's almost insane. Uh, I, uh, people moving out of the state. It, uh, same experience with New York. All of these places that that believe in that, whether it's uh, Massachusetts or New York or Illinois or California, uh, people trying to get out of Dodge uh, to to avoid that kind of thing, and they. These uh, uh, these progressives that have all sorts of plans for us uh, how to how to improve our lives supposedly and uh, achieve uh, uh, you know the social warriors agenda uh, and and they need, they need money to do it and so um, uh, whatever source they can go to they'll go they'll they'll go to that um, it, it just it, it's almost pervasive you know I just noticed uh, I'm getting off topic here but you notice uh, the Gillette has now gone social warrior on us and, and, and telling us how bad and evil men are. And you just think, where's your profit motive in that? How, how, how do you think you're going to grow your company with that and attacking the very people who are buying your product? Uh, but, uh, it, you know, when, when, when their heads are turned by achieving a, a social agenda, uh, then, then nothing else matters. Property rights don't matter. Uh, 
uh, common sense doesn't matter, and they know what the customers believe doesn't matter. Well, Perry, what they're saying is uh, taxing these text messages, they want to use then that tax money uh, to help underserved or the poor with their their phones. That's how they get their free phones. That's how they get their free phones. And <laughs> I, say, I, I thought they all had Obama phones. What well, <laughs> happened to the Obama phones? Did they, uh, they, they uh, get out of the... Uh, uh, they're no longer as sophisticated as they need. Mobile uh, phones aren't working. <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably true. But what this does, uh, and Chris, feel free, free to jump in on this as well, is it's just kind of almost, it's like the American middle class. Those people out there that are trying to make ends meet, they want to take care of their families, they want to grow their businesses. And it, it's almost like death by a thousand cuts. And so, and and then they they push people down. They try to make people more um, dependent on the government. And the way they do that is okay. Here we're going to tax text messages. However, in California, they talk about the poor all the time, but they want to tax the middle class. Chris, I see you shaking, uh, nodding up and down. Yeah. So. Well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out when California is going to hit that perfect utopia. I mean, it's been as <laughs> left as you could imagine for a long, long time, and. You know, how come they can't figure it out? We're we're ready to go there on a national level, but a state like California has never been able to figure it out. Well, and well, go ahead, and, Perry. And, 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 and Kim, you make a great point, and this is something Victor David Hansen, who's what four or five generations uh, in the Cal- in the Central Valley, uh, his family were farmers, and the great uh, brilliant scholar Victor David Hansen has commented on how California has come to essentially the super rich and the super poor and driving the middle class uh, totally out, out of the state. I mean, your comment about the plan, the idea of why California wants to do this, hey, we want to tax you rich people, you young kids who are text- texting, so we can provide clothes for people that need them. Uh, we saw the same thing decades ago in Colorado, uh, where they said, well, uh, we're going to tax people who use electricity to pay for more electricity for uh, somebody who really can't afford it. Courts threw that out, said you can't do that. That's that's improper. Uh, we saw the same thing uh, a matter of days ago. Philadelphia passed a tax on soft drinks uh, to try to number one get people, poor people, to stop drinking sugary soft drinks. At the same time, uh, create more money for the schools. Well, the taxes fell 15 percent below the goal. Uh, people stopped buying sodas, and not only did they stop buying sodas. In Philadelphia, they started buying sodas uh, outside the city. And so <laughs> all these small businesses uh, that were selling sodas uh, started to have to lay off employees and started to lose businesses. Uh, and and, and what, what progressives say when these things happen is they say, oh, unexpectedly. Unexpectedly, people stopped drinking sodas or uh, started buying sodas somewhere else. So they, you know unexpectedly, our tax revenue fell. And that's what's going to happen in California. Somebody will find a workaround. Uh, New Gingrich said years ago uh, uh, that, that in Germany, if they passed a speed limit on, on, the, on, on their, on their superhighways, they, they'd eventually vote the people out. In America, when we uh, uh, impose these crazy rules, uh, people go to their lawyers and try to find a workaround. People stop doing those activities, and all of a sudden those revenues... Um, that the bureaucrats are talking about, they disappear. 
Well, and and it truly is getting to that point in California. I've been out there recently where it is the haves and the have-nots. And that yeah. is, that's the lip service that socialists say that they are so totally against, is the haves and the have-nots. However, that is exactly where, what their policies do. Um, I, I was at the gas pump the other day, and um, I filled up at $1.99 a gallon, <laughs> which wow. is almost unheard of. Yeah. And to that point, <laughs> you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there, Perry, and then we're going to go to break. There is this idea in government that it has to grow every year, that everything gets more expensive every year. But from a free market standpoint... That doesn't have to be the case because I remember when gas was just about $4 a gallon here. Yeah. And now it's $1.99. And I would submit to you it's because of the creativity and innovation of the oil and gas industry. So let's ruminate on that just a little bit. We're going to go to break. Uh, Talking about solutions. Uh, for Washington is Act 2 reforms. They are a blueprint to adjust the division of power in Washington, D.C., regardless of the political party in power. Um, they are advocating for a more uh, responsible government. They have five ideas to rein government in. They're part of the Article 5 Convention of the States movement, and they're located here in Colorado. They say that, Chris, we should enforce the rule of law on all federal employees. <laughs> Wow. Duh. Sounds like a good idea. Suggest we give Congress a quick tool to block new regulations. Uh, Perry, you probably like that. Number three, suggest we apply term limits on both Congress and the judiciary. Uh, Number four, suggest that we make Congress account for all claims on the federal budget. Love that. And number five, suggest that we sharply reduce the power of money in Washington, D.C. So if you like those ideas and want more information, check out act2blueprint.org. That's act2blueprint.org. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we are talking with Chris Cantwell, who's in studio, and William Perry Penley. And uh, we're talking about socialism. Excuse me. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine recently celebrated 30 years with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. The Americhicks know Karen Levine personally and cannot recommend her highly enough. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. 303-877-7516. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And now, Kim is helping guys, too, with well-priced, made-to-measure shirts, pants, and jackets that fit a busy guy's lifestyle. Guys or gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. We are having a conversation with Chris Cantwell. You're in studio. It's great having you here. Good morning. Glad to be here. And William Perry Penley. He is the author of Sagebrush Rebel. It's a story about Ronald Reagan standing up against the uh, almost militant enviros, if you will. And uh, initially, we we started this whole conversation regarding California wanting to tax text messages. Uh, and it, it's kind of evolved really to what socialism does. It's death by a thousand cuts 
of the middle class of the American dream. Because these taxes uh, on tax text messages are in California. I, I don't think I've finished the story. I've taken a picture of uh, buying gas at $1.99 a gallon mm-hmm. and sent it to some friends of mine out in California. <laughs> and it's almost $4 a gallon out there. Sure. And it's because they are taxing it so much. Yeah. And uh, so... William Perry Pinley, if we let free markets work and capitalism work, uh, we don't have to have ever-increasing costs. But in government, they make the case, they believe that. When I was on city council, it was almost like there's a, a, um, you know, um, what do you call it, a a point where every year there's going to be a 3% raise on this across the line. It doesn't have to be that way because we can now see that uh, at the gas pump, gas is $1.99 right out here in Colorado. Well, Kim, you make the point about what happened on energy. And it was also, back in 1963, I remember I heard a talk by Paul Harvey going way back, and he he talked about people being pessimists, and he he talked about somebody saying, when whale oil is gone, the world will be plunged into darkness. And and that, that sounds laughable in the modern era, but not so many years ago, experts, real experts were saying, we're running out of oil. We have pit peak oil. We've got to find something else to do because there's simply no uh, energy out there. We can't find any more oil, can't find any more gas. And look where we are today. Like you say, what's your pain at the pump? We essentially have a glut in gas. We are, uh, we, we are on, on the verge of energy independence. And it's because of people like my, my late friend, Mick McMurray of Casper, Wyoming, uh, who engaged in this hydraulic fracturing which really created an economic energy and an environmental miracle. Uh, why, are we, why are we hitting these goals with regard to carbon reduction? Simply because we're uh, developing our natural gas here in this country. And the experts said, oh, no way. No way. It's not there. And, and the people, because of the free market, like you say, the free market, people said, yeah, if I can get paid for this, I'll go out and find it. I'll make it, I'll make it happen. And they went out and did and that's the thing about government. When I worked in the government, uh, the bureaucrats, year after year, they didn't start at zero to justify their new budget. They started at where they were the last year and said, well, how much of an increase do we get? No, no, no. The, the market doesn't work that way. You the families don't work that way. They don't say, hey, we're going to spend the same amount. No, no, maybe we don't spend that same amount. Maybe that's futile or wasteful, or we just don't have the money to do it. Not in Washington. That's why I don't think, I think most people are just laughing at these bureaucrats to say, oh, woe is us. Uh, there's a government shutdown. Wow. Well, welcome to the real world. Okay, I'm going to throw something out here because uh, I was talking with a millennial yesterday. <clears throat> And I said, so the TSA, a number of the TSA employees uh, are not, are calling in and not going to work. I think that uh, the other day, 7.6% of the TSA employees called in and said that they were not going to go to work because they weren't getting paid. But they, when they took the job, they knew that they are essential employees. And uh, so I said, I just off the cuff said, you know what, uh, I think that they should be fired. And, and, and um, it, it took my friend pause. He kind of stopped and he said, but they're not being paid. And uh, Chris, if you want to jump in on this and then Perry, you know, one of the other things that we do is, is our World War II project. 
And yes, yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, yesterday I had the great honor of uh, interviewing a World War II veteran for uh, one of the upcoming shows. He was a litter bearer. He was a combat medic in Patton's Third Army as Patton was tearing across Europe uh, after Hitler. And the the just the, what they gave up. I mean, they were in foxholes with no cover uh, in bitter winter. And the reason was is because they were standing against tyranny and evil. And uh, I, I really think these TSA employees, if they took their job seriously, their job is is to keep Americans safe. Mm-hmm. I do find it interesting that the left is so concerned about TSA employees and what their job is is to make sure that we know who's getting on airplanes. But the <laughs> I know left, where you're going. But the left doesn't really care about uh, having a, a uh, border security so that we can figure out who's coming into the country. It doesn't seem to match up to me. Yeah, we get rid of customs now, too. Why have that hassle? Exactly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, anyway. I think the airlines will do a better job managing that anyways. I mean, you, you know, have some accountability. When the government runs an operation, it has no accountability. If the TSA is doing a horrible job, who cares? I had, but if the airlines actually managed that, who there got, would be some accountability. Who got on and off the planes because they want to make sure that they take care of their passengers Absolutely. and their equipment. So anyway, I think maybe we should do a Ronald Reagan like he did with the uh, air traffic controllers, and I think he should fire them if they don't show up for work. Perry Pinley, what do you think? Well, oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's one of the things with Reagan that uh, demonstrated to the Soviets that Ronald Reagan was very serious. Uh, when the Iron Curtain came down and we saw some of the documents behind the Iron Curtain, uh, we discovered that that was, that was a wake-up call for the Soviets. If, he, if Reagan would fire the air traffic controllers, what else would he do? And, uh, and, and, and the answer was almost anything. And uh, it, it really sent out a, a message uh, to uh, to these workers that hey hey the president's serious about this stuff. If if your contract as an employee of the federal government says you cannot go on strike, if you go on strike, you will lose your job. There is no coming back. Well, and and the other thing about it is we know that all of these uh, federal employees are going to receive back pay, and they also get very uh, cushy pensions. Uh, and Chris Cantwell, you know that these these mom and pop operations that you work with all the time, mm-hmm. they don't work forty hours a week, and uh, by the time they are selling their business, I mean their profit margins many times are are not significant. Yeah. It's not like having this this job over with with the government, uh, where they are going to receive their back pay and also receive their pensions. And uh, to your point, Perry Penley, they they gave their word when they took that job as an essential employee. They gave their word and they said that if the government shut down, they would still go to work. And they're backing out on their word. Not everybody, but that was over seven percent the other day. And when they do that, I think that I think they should be fired. So go ahead, Perry. Well, absolutely. I, I, you're not going to get a disagreement from me. And frankly, don't get me started on the TSA. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's one of the worst agencies in government. The stuff that they do is is ridiculous, and uh, uh, the stories is almost a cliche. Uh, about the the stuff that's stuck through, um, and I think it, it all goes back. Frankly, uh, this week is uh, 24 years ago. This week, I argued the Adirondack case before the Supreme Court, in which the Supreme Court 
uh, started to do away with these uh, racial preferences and racial quotas. And one of the things that TSA does, simply because of fear of co-filing, is not use common sense when it does its job. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this is, you know, this is a, so they do it so-called random instead of looking at the people who they think are sneaky or suspicious or uh, fit a profile. Uh, they do a random check, and so you'll uh, you'll have the crazy situation uh, that, that we see at the airport every day. So. Um, It'd be, it'd be helpful if we get the bureaucrats to do their jobs. They're not doing their jobs, and so uh, most of us are not eager for them to go back to work. Well, I do hope that they get some of this stuff uh, opened back up because uh, Chris was mentioning because the SBA is closed down right now that that uh, people want to buy and sell businesses. They're they're not able to do that because they're waiting for you know some approval there. So I I'd like to get them back to work. But apparently, uh, you know, Donald Trump was in Washington all weekend waiting for people to come and make a deal while, while Nancy Pelosi was with 30 other Democrat um, congressmen and senators in Puerto Rico partying it up. And the reason is, is because I don't think that they really care about the middle class, because if you have a vibrant middle class, which is what's been so unique about America, then you can't have the haves and the have-nots, and it takes away the power of those people at the top. So, Perry Pinley, your final thought, and then uh, Chris Cantwell, your final thoughts. So, Perry? Well, I, I do hope they come to the table and, 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 and make an agreement, but uh, protecting uh, protecting Americans is paramount. Uh, I, I was working with a family uh, not so many uh, months ago who lost a young son, 32 years old, murdered by an illegal alien, that but for the actions of the city of Denver would have been deported to Mexico. And that young man, 32 years old, prime of life, uh, would still be with us. And uh, I, I believe the president's doing the right thing on this. It's clear that Pelosi and Schumer don't care about security and keeping us safe in America. And, and, and here we are, a couple thousand miles away from the Mexican border, and it affects us here in the city of Denver. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, Chris Cantwell. Yeah, and, you know, I saw yesterday there was a bunch of angel moms that, that went to D.C. and were standing in front of Chuck and Nancy's offices, and they both shut their doors, locked their doors, and neither of them would go address those moms. And the angel moms, they are mothers of uh, children that have been killed by illegal aliens, right? Correct, yeah. And they wouldn't even listen to them. I mean, that it just, I, I can't, it's... So disappointing on so many levels. You know, we have really moved, I think, away from the, the vision of the founders where we had representative government. Uh, and actually, Perry, we have just a minute more, and I'd like your comment on this. I heard one of the new Colorado representatives, no, no, it was a national representative, where she said, we are here to pass legislation. And I had to stop because that is not the job of the people that we elect, is to pass legislation. Perry Pinley, your comment, and then we're just about done with the show. Well, that's absolutely. I, I think there ought to be fewer laws. Uh, Congress ought to be uh, not uh, passing new laws. They ought to be repealing laws. Uh, 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 somebody said uh, a couple of years ago that there are so many laws that on the books that everybody's possible they could be charged with three felonies a day. That's how insane it is. I, I, I think that when something tragic happens, it would be uh, welcome news if somebody from Congress stepped in front of a microphone and said, this is tragic and terrible and sad, but there's not a law to pass to fix it. This is a, a societal problem. This is an emotional problem. This is a, a, a state problem or a local problem. We have just too many of that. And uh, I, I, I think uh, 
frankly, what Congress ought to be doing is holding bureaucrats accountable, uh, enforce the laws that we have on the books, and uh, hold these agencies accountable for what they do. Uh, that's not happening. Okay, well, thank you, Perry. Chris, your final thoughts. Yeah, and, and for business owners, it's regulations, right? I mean, we have oh, all these regulations out there, and a regulation simply is a penalty on a business owner for never doing anything wrong. They penalize them out of the gate and say, just because you're a business owner, we know you're going to do something wrong, so we're going to have these regulations. And regulations have the power of law, but they're not written by lawmakers. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons that the bureaucrats and the establishment is going crazy with Donald Trump is because he is walking back regulations, and we're seeing we're seeing businesses thrive and prosper. We are, absolutely. I mean, it's simple economics. Okay, well, Chris Cantwell, thank you so much for being with us. Perry Penley, thank you so much. Uh, you guys both have a great day. Okay, and uh, we were talking about property rights, and John Adams, back in 1787, they understood it. He said, the moment the idea is admitted into society that property is not as sacred as the laws of God, and that there is not a force of law and public justice to protect it, anarchy and tyranny commence. If thou shalt not covet, and thou shalt not steal, were not commandments of heaven, they must be made inviolable invaluable precepts in every society before it can be civilized or made free. So it's 2019. Read great books. Think good thoughts. Listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals. And like Superman, strive for truth, justice, and the American way.